Well, hey, Hamilton Hills, my name is Jason Williams. I do get to be, among a lot of other things, uh, a friend to Matt and Denise. And um, Matt and I are so close that we almost matched today identically in what we wore. That's how close we are as friends. So uh, I've known Matt and Denise for almost 20 years, which makes me feel really old to say. Like, I feel really old when I say, we were talking about this morning, I'm like, bro, I don't want to talk about that. Like that makes me feel really old, but I, yeah, I do. I get to uh, I get to pastor a church called Church in the Wild, and the way that came about was uh, we were doing CrossFit with a bunch of people and a bunch of non-church people, unchurch people, just just living life, lifting weights. And one time they asked me to pray, and uh, so I started praying with them, and then eventually. Um, the gym, you know, they'd be playing hip hop music, rock music. We'd be playing everything. People would be saying words that we're probably not going to say today. Probably, I hope not. And um, and then they'd be like, "Get up and preach." And I'd be like, "Hey, Jesus is awesome." And um, so one one time, someone said to me, "Bro, that is wild." And I said, "Yeah, that is. It's the church in the wild." And um, Church of the Wild, uh, we turned four. We picked a great time right before a pandemic to plant a church. So um, we turned four this September. If you got a Bible, Psalm 23. My wife is here. My wife, Samantha. I married up, way up. I married out of my league. If you see the two of us, you will agree. If you talk to the two of us, you will agree. Also, our daughter, Hurricane Isla, is in your kid's church somewhere right now, living up to the name Hurricane Isla. All right, so if you hear loud noises, it's her. It's her, it's fine. Psalm 23. Psalm 23, if you do take notes, I encourage you, I'll, I'll tell you a couple words that, that kind of jump out, and I would encourage you to circle them or underline them. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Some translations right there say, I lack nothing or I have everything I need. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Circle or underline those words, green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Circle or underline the part still. He restores my soul. This is what we're going to talk about today, so make sure you underline that. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and then circle this part. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are gracious, kind, you are loving, you are just, you are holy, you are righteous, you do reign. We are so grateful for you. You were a healer then, you are a healer now. Help us, Lord, to be people who lean into you. Help us to trust you. Help us to be people who rest in you. Well, that's just all in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, did any of you try to get healthy during the recent pandemic? Anybody focus on their health? Anybody? Just me? Okay, cool. Cool, I'm alone today. Good. All right, great. End of the sermon. Let's go. Um, I, I decided to try to get healthy during the pandemic. I bought a punching bag. It may or may not have coincided with my mother-in-law moving in. I don't know. Could have had something to do with it. A little stress relief, possibly. I bought a punching bag and I thought, you know what, I'll go in the basement and every morning I'll just punch this punching bag. Every morning I'll start, wake up, just get, you know, get after it. What I didn't realize was the bag we attached to a hook, which was like attached to one of the, the main beams in our house. 
And every time I hit the bag, it would shake and it would make this banging noise. And two things would happen. My dog, our dog, Cromwell, he's an English bulldog, would instantly lose his mind and begin barking every time I hit that bag. And my mother-in-law would lose her mind and go, what is happening? And so every morning, it'd be the dog barking, the mother-in-law yelling, what's happening? So I decided to switch it up. Decided to try running. Decided, you know what, I'm going to be a marathon runner. This would be a great idea. Now, normal people, when they run, uh, they start off with like a mile. I'm not a normal person. I'm a church planner. We do everything the wrong way. So I thought, you know what? 13 miles sounds doable. I'll try this. So I got out like seven and a half miles out. I'm like halfway and I got a foot cramp. Any of y'all ever get a foot cramp? It's the worst pain you will ever experience in your life. I got a foot cramp and spent the next seven and a half miles. It took me about three hours to just limp back down the trail past everybody that I had passed earlier. During the recent pandemic, we all, in one way or another, took a look at our health. Here in America, we focus on four areas of health, and I I think we should focus on these four. I'm for all four. Uh, We we tend to focus on our physical a lot. There's people who will work out. There's people who will eat right and get the salad. You know, you go to eat with them, and they get the salad and the apple. They're going to focus on their physical health. It's good. It's important. Then there's people who want to focus on their emotional health. They're the ones who eat all the donuts so they don't go crazy. So they're like, you know what? You have the salad. I want the donut because I want to stay sane right now. Amen. There are people who work on their relational health. Hey, you know what? I want to make sure my relationships are healthy. I want to make sure that I have a healthy relationship with people. There's people who work on their mental health. I believe we should all be working on all four. I'm for all four. But I think in America, we forget about another part of our health. Here in America, we don't want to talk about the other parts. We don't want to talk about the fifth part, which is soul health. We don't want to talk about, hey, how healthy is your soul? But David says in Psalm 23 that his soul is restored by his shepherd. And then he says something that's so interesting that because we know Psalm 23, because most of us read it since we were kids, we just skip over. He says, my cup overflows. What David is saying is that soul health leads to whole health. When we begin from a place of, you know what, I want my soul to be healthy, our relationships become healthy. When we begin with a place of, you know what, I want my soul to be healthy, we begin to find health overflowing into all the other places. We do it in reverse in America. We try to fill a giant cup that we call health with a spoon, but the cup has a hole in it and it just keeps running out the bottom as fast as we pour things into it. And so we say, you know, I want to be physically healthy and that's not working. So I want to be emotionally healthy. That's not working. I want to be mentally healthy. That's not working. I want to be relationally healthy. That's not working. David says that when you begin with focusing on your soul, your cup runs over into all of the other places. And soul health begins with something called pace. See, God is a God of pace. Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse one, for everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under the heaven. God is a God of seasons. He's a God of rhythms. He's a God of relationships. He's a God of walking side by side with us. This is why he said in Matthew, hey, take my yoke upon you. Now, if it were me, I would say, hook up to my chariot. Let's run as fast as we can and see what happens later. But God said, take my yoke 
Why does he say this? Because in a, in a team of oxen, the older, wiser one sets the pace for the younger, stronger one. And if the younger, stronger one is willing to walk at the pace the older one sets, they can accomplish so much more than the younger, more strong one can, even though he tries, because he will burn himself out by the time he gets halfway through the field. The older, wiser one will set a pace that is sustainable to accomplish more throughout life. God is a God of rhythms and a God of pace. Now, hopefully... Hopefully today you learn this by just sitting here and hearing this crazy guy from, from Columbus get up and talk about it. I had to learn it a lot harder way. So I'm gonna tell you how I had to learn it. We picked a great time to plant a church right before a pandemic. Brilliant strategy. You know, like you, some of you may have started a business, you know, like that's a great time to start a business. Our church was growing. I was sitting in a coffee shop with a friend. He's telling me, man, my wife's pregnant. We're just counting our blessings. He was super happy. We were hugging. As he was hugging, I felt my phone go off and I was like, uh, I looked at my phone and I got a text and it said, hey bro, the governor's about to shut down the state of Ohio. So I called him. I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, COVID man, the whole state shut down. We were in a, in a jazzercise building and in a CrossFit building. We had no choice. We shut down. And we're a church plant. So our entire online budget was the same as like one good camera from another church. And every Sunday, you probably got to experience the joy of this. But every Sunday morning, we made this video. We were all excited about it. We put it on Facebook. It started and then crashed every Sunday. So then I would get on Facebook Live on my couch with my dog and like, hey, welcome to Church in the Wild. It was really hard. And so we went to the owner of the building and we said, we have to reopen what do we have to do? Marriages are falling apart. People are depressed. We need something. So they told us what we could do, but it was almost impossible to do it. So we reopened in a jazzercise building, a dance gym with, we had to have everyone six feet apart from each other. No kids church allowed, mask on, garage doors open in the middle of the summer. I mean, we, we had about 110 people before. And when we reopened, we had about 23 people and we had to grind. I mean, absolutely Every second of the day was spent working as hard as we could. I remember we hired a worship pastor. His first Sunday, I said, hey, bro, welcome to the team. It's you and one other guy. You got to build a worship team. Good luck. And then I went and sat down. We worked and we worked and we worked and we worked. And then things started happening. We lost out on two buildings that we were supposed to move in that would have made it a lot easier for us. We had family members pass away. We had a family friend die in this terrible tragedy, just an awful, awful, tragic death. On a Thursday, I was stressed to the max. And I went running. I ran a couple miles, came home, made a video with my, my daughter. We made this little video. We were having a good time, went to bed. Next morning, woke up. First email I got. It's always the first email you get, you know what I'm talking about, is the angry person. You don't see the happy person first. I got the angry email first. So I started trying to answer it. I'm left-handed and I re reached down and I'm like, well, that's weird. My left hand's not working. So I sat my phone down and I thought, I'll just go in the bathroom, put my contacts in. I started walking and realized, well, that's weird. My left leg's not working either. Hmm. So I put my contacts in with my right hand and then I tried to take some mouthwash and I looked down and I was like, mouthwash just poured out of the left side of my mouth. And I thought, what is happening to me? And I'll never forget looking in the mirror and all of a sudden my entire head just going, boom, falling over. 
and the left half of my body just went numb. So my wife woke up because I walked into the bedroom and my brilliant plan was to slap myself in the face as hard as I could to see what was going on. That's a great strategy for everyone going through some stuff. So she woke up because I was just like, slap me. She said, what are you doing? She said it very graciously, very lovingly. What are you doing? And I tried to tell her I think something's wrong with me, but it sounded like this. Uh, I'd had two strokes within 10 minutes of each other. So we got to the hospital and I'm like not in touch with reality. So I'm asking this doctor, when do I get to leave? I got to preach Sunday. When do I get to do CrossFit? And the doctor said to me, you need to be prepared to never preach again in your life, never do CrossFit again, never chase your daughter, never walk, never go for walks with your wife, never be able to use the left side of your body at all. You need to be prepared for that and you need to start focusing. I thought, well, those are everything that make me who I am. See, I had to learn that God defines me as a human being, not as a human doing. Here in America, we define ourselves by what we do. Hey, I'm Jason, I'm a pastor. Instantly, you know what I do. How you doing? Oh, busy, tired. That's about how I do. How many people are in your church? It's about how I do. We define ourselves as human doings in America, but God does not define us that way. God defines us as human beings. He did not place Adam and Eve in the garden and say, this is your job, your job, your job, your job. This is who you are. You do this. This is who you are. You do this. He said, you are man, you are woman. He defined them as human beings. You and I are human beings. You are so much more than merely what you do. Your identity is not that you are a boss or a laborer. Your identity is not that you are a husband or a wife. Your identity is that you are a child of God. He defines you as a human being. And this is a hard lesson to learn, but when we begin to learn this, we begin to learn pace. And we begin to learn how to do something very important that is called rest. Rest. Rest is a scheduled refueling of your soul. Right now, you're like, cool, I'm glad you learned that. I already know that. I thought that too. So I'm sitting in the hospital and I have a mentor and he texts me, he heard I was in the hospital and he said, Jason, I love you, learn to rest. And I text him back, I will. And then I was like, I don't know how to rest. I don't even know what that means. What does that mean? What does rest mean? So I looked to Psalm 23 to see what rest means because it was the only passage where I could think of like where a man is resting, where someone is resting. And listen to what the words say. He leads me beside still waters. The Lord Jehovah is my personal shepherd. Because he's my personal shepherd, I lack nothing. And where he leads me is to places that give me rest because they're peaceful places. See, rest is something that is peaceful. Can I tell you, as kindly as I can tell you, because I'm, I'm from Michigan and I live in Columbus and so I'm from the Midwest, the news is not peaceful. So watching the news after you eat dinner does not count as resting. 
So for those of us right now who are like, I rest, I watch the news every night. That does not count. And I don't care which letter of the alphabet makes up that news channel that you watch. News is not resting. You cannot find peace by watching the entire world light itself on fire around you. But then he says something so fascinating. He leads me beside still waters and he makes me lie down in green pastures. This is fascinating. So when I grew up, we had sheep, we had goats, we had cows. Sheep graze. That means they keep moving as they eat everywhere they go. All day, our sheep would wander around until they found a place where the grass was especially good and it would fill them all the way up and they would lie down. This is what David is saying. Because Jehovah is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He takes me to peaceful places that fill me up so that I can find rest, which restores my soul and it runs over into everything else around me. Rest, I love y'all. I love social media. I'm on it. Rest is not scrolling on TikTok. That does not count as rest. Netflix binge watching is not rest because it cannot fill you up. You are an eternal being, not a human being. Seeing and viewing the activity of the world around you of human beings cannot fill you up. It will only make you more anxious, depressed, tired, and exhausted. And so what happens is we go to bed and we're just so worn out. We're so exhausted that we think, I, don't, I can't even talk to my spouse or my kids. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to get on social media and just watch people on TikTok do crazy things. And that'll give me rest. And then we find something and we're on there till 1 a.m. And we wake up the next morning more tired, more anxious, more worn out than we were before. It cannot fill you up. Can I tell you that all the news, shows, social media, all that they do is they tell you who you're not, what you don't have, where you haven't been, and what food you haven't gotten to enjoy yet that somebody else did. That does not fill you up. It tells you who you're not which creates more of an anxiety and a rush to try to, I am this person, and make ourselves fill ourselves up. Rest is something that is a scheduled part of our regular life that is not sin, you enjoy, brings you peace, and fills you up. I could say it a little bit easier. Rest is a scheduled refueling of our soul. If your car breaks down, runs out of gas on the way out of here today, whether you use electric or, or gasoline, you do not get behind that car and just continue to push it for the rest of that car's existence. What do you do? You take it to a gas pump and you refuel it so it can run better, faster, for longer. What we do with our soul is we say, my soul is empty, so I'm just gonna power through this. I'm just gonna power through the day and I'll be all right. And it's like pushing a car that's out of gas and wondering why we're not getting to the place where we want to be. Rest is a scheduled refueling of our soul. Netflix is not rest. Social media is not rest. Binge watching is not rest. Scrolling is not rest. The news is not rest. Lying on the beach doing all of these above while on your tablet is still not rest. You cannot rest if you are focused on what everyone else is doing, you are not doing, need to be doing, and who you are not, because rest is something that restores you. It refuels you. Rest reminds us 
that God can do more with our less than you can do with your more. Ultimately, rest is trusting God. Rest is taking your phone, sitting it down, and walking outside and trusting that God can handle your schedule better than you can while you're on your phone. It's ironic because here in America, we, we trust God with our souls, but we don't trust him with our schedule. I'll give you eternity. Not today, though. I got today. I don't need you today. I got this. Rest is trusting God. And we say this again. Oh, I do this. I rest. But we look at it again the wrong way. Because here in America, we look at rest as something that we do at the end of the day when we're so exhausted and worn out that we, oh, I got to get some rest. Or we say, I'm so worn out. I'm so exhausted. You know what? I need a vacation. For us, rest is the last thing we think about. For God, it's the first thing. The Bible defines days as evening and morning were the first day. God's day began with rest. Think about what God said to Adam and Eve. Welcome to the planet. A lot of work to do. Rest. Now, if it's me and I create this world and I stick people in it, I'm like, here's your orientation packets. Don't touch the sea enemies. Don't eat the poison ivy. Get to work. God says, hey, welcome to the place I created. There's a lot of work to be done. Let's begin by resting so that I can show you a rhythm and a pattern and a pace that you need to begin to live your life starting with rest. Rest is not an afterthought to God. It is a forethought to God. Rest should be where everything begins from in our life. Want to start a new relationship? Someone swiped right and so did you. Oh, I'm going to date them. Cool. Begin out of a place of rest. Want to start a new job? Begin out of a place of rest. Want to start a new business? Begin out of a place of rest. Want to plant a church? Don't. Uh, (laughs) Begin out of a place of rest. Begin out of a place of rest. Everything that we do in life should begin from rest. Rest should not be something that we do at the end of the day. I need 30 minutes alone because I can't handle you kids. Rest should be the beginning, not the afterthought. Can I tell you something? If you had three and a half years to build the best relationship in the history of relationships, like the best marriage, like you had to show the world what a good marriage would look like. Maybe you had three and a half years to build the best business that's ever been built. God called you and said, hey bro, hey ma'am, build a brand new business that no one else has ever done. It's going to change the world. You got three and a half years, go. What would you schedule in it? Because Jesus scheduled naps. Three and a half years, the greatest rescue plan in the history of the universe, and he took naps. He took naps. Regularly, all throughout Jesus' life, we find him napping. Jesus lived a spirit-filled nap. That's what he did. Think about it. He came to rescue your soul, and he said, I'm going to begin by taking a nap. Rest is important to God. Think about this prophet. There's a 1 Kings 19. There's a prophet named Elijah. He has this huge emotional spiritual win. It's an awesome moment for him. He's on cloud nine. Then the queen is like, cool, I'm going to kill you. And he begins to get depressed 
So he goes from way up this emotional spiritual high to this emotional spiritual low and he runs for his life. So he's physically worn out and exhausted and he sits underneath of a tree and what does he say to God? I wish I could just die. And you know what the angels come, that come to him say? It's like so, it's so bizarre. The angels come to him and they don't say, here's this manual you need to read. Here's 87 things you need to accomplish. The angels come to him and say, drink some good water, eat some really good food and take a nap. So Elijah's like us. He does it, wakes up. Okay, what? Do it again. Are you serious? I got to do it all over again? Yeah, do it again. Okay, what do I do now? Do it again. But when he did this, he then went and heard God speak. And this is why rest is so important because rest leads us to something called reflection. Reflection is what David talked about in Psalm 77, verse 11 and 12. David said, but then I will recall all that you have done, O Lord. I will remember your wonders of old. I will point out all your works and meditate on your mighty deeds. Now, when we think about the word recall here in America, we say it like this. Oh yeah, I recall that. That's not what David means. David is using a word which means to purposely choose to call back to memory when needed. What David is doing, he's saying, man, I am in the middle of a trial. Things are super hard. I will choose to remember that you walked with me through the valley of the shadow of death. And when you did, you led me beside still waters and into peaceful green pastures. And because you walked with me back then, I know that you're gonna walk with me right now. And so I know that you will get me through this moment. See, Satan doesn't have to start persecution here in America and shut down the church with some political move. All he has to do is speed us up so fast that we're 100 yards ahead of Jesus and we can't hear his voice. And Jesus is walking at this regular rhythm and pace and we're 100 yards ahead of him saying, where are you? Don't see you in this world anymore. And he's like, I'm right where I'm trying to walk with you. You won't rest. You won't listen to me. You won't slow down enough to even hear my voice. So I was in this hospital I'm struggling. I mean, I'm scared. Two strokes, they're telling me you're gonna need a heart surgery. I'm terrified. So they put me in this MRI tube and I'm fighting them. I'm like, I'm not going in there, I'm fine. They're like, you need to go in here. I'm, I'm, not, I'm fine. I'm like, I'm panicking, thinking my life's gonna change. I get in there and the lady says to me, hey, I heard you were a pastor. Yeah. Can I play the song Graves to Gardens for you? Sure. And they're singing, you made a way. This is why I'm not on the worship team. Where there was no way. And I believe I'll see you do it again. And in the middle of it, God said to me, I walked with you when you were young. I'm gonna walk with you right now. You can trust me. I got you. And I learned a very difficult lesson to take some time, rest, refuel, and begin to recall all the times that he was with me. He was with me when I was a kid and I, didn't even, I wasn't even aware of it. He was with me when I was a teenager and I got dumped and I was like, where are you, God? And he's like, I'm answering your prayer by getting rid of her. 
There's a prophet named Garth Brooks. He said, the greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. I'm in this MRI tube and I'm like, where are you? And he's like, I'm with you and I'm about to lead you to places of rest and I'm about to lead you in this pace, but I need you to pause long enough to recall all that I've done for you. I started thinking about this. 2021 was a crazy year for us. We lost friends, we lost family members. We had tragedy happen in our family. I had two strokes. They told me you need a heart surgery. I had the heart surgery. I got healthy. It's 4th of July. I'm like, it's 4th of July. What could go wrong? Two 12-year-old kids stole our van from our house. They also stole my identity, committed 46 crimes in that van, including shooting at police. They totaled the van, destroyed it, just absolutely demolished it. We had to get a brand new vehicle, which we got just in time for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's great. We're going to my parents. This is going to be wonderful. They live in the Upper Peninsula, Michigan. It's going to be beautiful. Oh, yeah, but... We had a friend who was sick. You can't make this up. My wife literally is bringing food to her cousin who is sick and a 16-year-old girl slams into her by blowing a stop sign and destroys that vehicle. Not only that, but the girl is, has COVID, so she gives my wife COVID for Thanksgiving. Here you go. Happy Thanksgiving. We make it through Thanksgiving. We get to Christmas. Me and 77% of our church get COVID for Christmas. Happy Christmas. Here you go. Our daughter turns five, January 28th. She gets COVID before her birthday. By the time Valentine's Day came around, I'm like, we're not celebrating Valentine's Day. I know that I should want to celebrate this. We're not. But let me tell you some things that when I begin to recall that God did during that time. There's a man named Leon. Leon was from New York City. He was in a wheelchair. He'd been shot in the spine. He wheeled himself to church for the first time in years. We had baptisms at a river a couple miles away. He wheeled himself to the baptisms. We baptized a girl named Cassandra. She had been to the Lord, led to the Lord by a girl named Cassandra, who used to be a Hindu. Cassandra led Cassandra, who was just a non-believer and had never been to church to the Lord. She got baptized, and when she climbed up out of the water, this man, Leon, was sitting there in a wheelchair, and he said, hey, how do I get to do that? She's not, a, she's not a cultural Christian. She doesn't know anything about what to say. She just says, well, you just have to believe on Jesus Christ, ask him to forgive you your sins, come into your heart and save you. And then these people here will baptize you. He goes, okay, I'm gonna do it. So he prays. We pick the man up, carry him down into the river and baptize him. This is a miracle from God. A couple of months later, a man named Haider walks into our church. Haider is a Shiite Muslim from Iraq. He moves to America. He has a, his cousin lives in North Dakota, has a vision in the vision, Mary holds a candle and walks up to him and says, tell Hyder that Jesus is the light of the world and he needs to go seek the light. He goes, okay. Calls Hyder and Hyder's like, okay. I don't even know what that means. He said, I think maybe you should go to church. So Hyder looks on our Instagram and sees a man from India playing the keys. And he's like, well, if he can go to church there, I guess I can. He walks into our church on a random day and says, hey, what do you guys believe about Jesus? I don't even know why I said it. I just said, we believe Jesus is the light. And he said, okay, God told me to come ask you how I can accept him as my Lord and Savior. Can I do that right now? 45 minutes later, the man gets saved. Two weeks later, we're talking to him. He's like, I need to get baptized right now. We baptize him. These are miracles. In the middle of a pandemic, God moves mountains. He moves miracles. He makes a way where there's no way. 
I'm in the MRI tube and I'm, I'm paralyzed on half my body and I walk out of the MRI tube and I'm not, that's a way. That's a God-given way. He performs miracles, but we don't recognize the miracles that he gives us because we don't slow down long enough to think about them. How many miracles are in your life that you're not even aware of because you didn't pause long enough to see, oh God, you did that. We only see them when we pause long enough to rest, to trust him, and to look back and say, I will recall, you've been with me the whole time. I will recall your wondrous works. I'll look back, you were with me then, you're going to be with me now. He's with you. He's trying to walk with you at a pace that he has set before you. Take a moment and rest and reflect, and you will see that he is attempting to refuel you, he is attempting to grow you, and he is moving mountains daily in your life. So there's something we do at Church in the Wild that goes along with this, it's called silence and solitude. The idea of silence and solitude is just a simple thing. Wake up every morning, sit down, Put your phone as far away from you as you can. Don't lie to yourself and say, I'm gonna use my phone to take notes. You won't, you'll get on Instagram. Put your phone as far away from you as you can, set a timer, and for 10 minutes, sit there. Count all the things that he's done in your life. Make a list of everything he's done for you that day. And then ask him, what are you saying? Here's another thing that I would encourage you to do. Drive out past the city lights where there's none of man's creation. There's just God's. Watch the fireflies. You know that fireflies create a chemical? They create two chemicals at the same time. One lights them up and one is, is something that makes it so they don't burn themselves out when they light up. Look at the stars. He created the galaxy and he cares about the firefly enough to say, I'm gonna let you light up the world, but not burn yourself out while you do it. This is the God who wants to walk with you. He cares about the smallest details and the galaxies. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you one minute right now, 60 seconds to practice silence and solitude. I'm gonna give you a minute and then I'm gonna pray. And what I'm gonna encourage you to do is right now just Ask God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying right now? Is it schedule? Do I need to start scheduling rest? How do I need to rest? What do I need to do to fill me up, fuel me up? Is it recalling? Is, do I need to start journaling your miracles? What is it? At the end of 60 seconds, I'm gonna pray. So I'm gonna ask, encourage you and keep your eyes open or bound, whichever one you wanna do. But let's begin 60 seconds of silence and solitude. What is he telling you right now?
Maybe what God is telling you right now in this moment is that you need to give your soul to him. You need to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ by trusting him as your Lord and Savior, placing your faith in him and recognizing you cannot save yourself no matter how much you try. You can do this by simply praying and asking Jesus Christ to become your Lord and your Savior. If you want to know more about that after the service, you can go to the next step section. They will talk with you and begin a life of discipleship where they help you begin this process. Maybe like me, you've given him your soul, but not your schedule. And it's time to say to Jesus, I give you control of my schedule. And I'm going to learn to rest and to recall all that you've done. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are gracious, kind, loving, just, holy, righteous. You are so good. You lead us beside still waters and into green pastures. You restore our soul and our cup runs over. Help us to lean into you. Help us, Lord, to be people who trust you with our souls and with our schedules. In Jesus' name.